Hi, everybody. Today, I have Hannah Godfrey from Professional Advice with me. Hi, Hannah. Hi. Hannah is joining me today as we're going to be chatting about the Professional Advisor Women in Finance Awards that are happening on the 8th of October, the day that this podcast will be going live. And what we're going to be doing is chatting about Hannah's career and her passion for pensions and why engaging women in finance is absolutely essential. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So Hannah, how are you doing? What's, what's been the latest things with you then? I am doing as well as you can be. Uh, it's a, It's been a weird year. Uh, I would not want to repeat it, I have to be honest, even though I fear that's possibly where we're heading. Um, but it's been okay. I've just had a lovely weekend with my boyfriend's family. Uh, we haven't seen them since Christmas. So it was lovely to actually see them. And I live in London and I'm not convinced we're going to do many more weeks without extra lockdown restrictions. So yeah. we timed it well, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's, that sounds nice. I'm glad you managed to get and see them at Christmas. Obviously, it's a long time since Christmas, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a really been a long while. Time. I've got my, um, my sister lives in Italy um, with my nieces. And that's really bizarre because usually we get to see each other in the summer and in, in Christmas time. So we've actually not seen them in person since summer, last summer. And that feels really, really bizarre because obviously my children are young, her children are young and they're growing up so fast. And obviously we're Zooming constantly to try and keep on top of seeing them and everything. But it is, it's, um, as you say, probably, probably definitely don't want to repeat this year, but obviously we're just all getting on and doing what we need to. So we have a truth or lie feature on this podcast. And last time I had Emma Thompson with me from British Friendly and the theme was a favorite children's TV shows. And she said that hers favorite show was The Mysterious Cities of Gold. And I said that mine was Count Ducula. And I was wondering if you could try and guess who was telling the truth. Well, this is quite difficult for me because I have not heard of either of these TV shows. So in theory, (laughs) one could be entirely made up and I would have no idea. But um, Count Docula is quite fun. And I think there's been some sort of political spoof type people spin off. And it would make sense that it came from somewhere. So I think you're telling the truth. Count Count Docula? I I was going to say that is one of my favourites, but not my ultimate favourites. So I have to say, I'd never heard of Emma's Mysterious Cities of Gold, so I need to do some YouTube and search on that. Um, Count Ducula was amazing. It was all about this vampire Ducula who accidentally had a sort of like thing for ketchup rather than blood, which was quite, you know, an <laughs> unusual thing. It was fun, though. I think my favourite children's show has to be Danger Mouse. I adore Danger Mouse. See, I've uh, heard of Danger Mouse. Good. Well, you see, that would have been a bit better then. So thank you very much for taking part in that. <laughs> Just a daft thing we like to do at the beginning. So anyway, you work in the pension space, Hannah, which is really interesting and fascinating for me because obviously I know of pensions. I know some things about pensions, but it's not really my thing. And I think what would be really good is, is a lot of my listeners also will be mainly protection side as well. But can you let us know sort of like what is it about pensions that kind of does it for you? What, what kind of how did you end up in that career? Okay, well, I I don't want to disappoint you and come across as someone that just, you know, didn't have a passion for pensions at 13 years old and always knew this is what I'd be doing. But it was actually a it was a total accident. Um, I was at university and then I did a master's degree and I'd always quite fancied the idea of journalism. But in all my wisdom, and of course, without having a crystal ball, I never studied journalism. I so nearly did a master's in journalism, but I just decided to do something else instead. And I was looking, obviously, for jobs post-uni. 
and I saw a grad scheme open at something called Incisive Media to be a journalist. And I had a little look and I kind of, okay, it's this B2B publisher, that's fine. Don't really know what that is, but it's it's a journalist job, it's a journalist job, you know. Yeah. And it, I was just given the pensions B. I got the job and was just given, okay, you do pensions. And it's, I have to say, it's a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. I kind of, it's, I think it's one of those things, especially when you're younger, you just think, oh, pensions, who cares about that? That's something to think about when you're older, which is yeah. completely untrue, as I have learned in the last few years. But it wasn't, you know, the most exciting proposition, but actually it's been really, really interesting. And it's been an interesting few years, particularly in the advisor space, all that's gone on with British Steel and regulatory changes and issues that consumers have had. And it, it matters, it really affects everybody. So I think it's something to know and understand as well as you possibly can. Absolutely. I think, you know, again, I think it's kind of similar protection space as well, you know, sort of like when you're going into it at first, when you're kind of looking from the outside, you kind of think, well, it's protection, you know, that's the kind of thing of, well, it's life insurance and, you know, a bit of income protection. And it's, it's, it's one of those things, yeah, when you're a bit older and a bit more sort of like getting into that real adulting kind of thing that you need to sort of like look at. And then when you actually get into it, probably those into pensions, you know, there are so many different aspects to it. And, so many kind of real scenarios as well where it's kind of a case of wow you know if we don't look at this when we're young and really kind of get on top of it there can actually be it can really affect us later in life if we haven't had that in place and like really had our eyes on it but I know there's a lot going on at the moment um obviously in the industry about um concerns about the economy for everybody in the UK and you know people being furloughed you know interest rates on savings are dropping I know pensions took a bit of a, a dip I think it was mid-year I was just I recently had my um my review of my pensions this year and you know I saw that the dip had gone down but then it's obviously starting to come back up and I think you know we're kind of I think there's I think you have kind of got three camps in a way you either have people who are really watching I know one of my colleagues is always watching his pension probably on a daily basis he's watching it there's me who kind of just like I saw all this was happening with the economy and I thought you know what for my own sanity's sake I'm probably I probably shouldn't look at it at the moment and just wait for the the scary bits to all get over and done with and then we get people who obviously don't really even sort of like really know what's going on with it but what have you seen it's sort of like in the pension space since like coronavirus has struck has anything kind of really stood out yeah um first of all i think you're totally right to mention pension savings taking a real hit um my pension was down nearly a thousand pounds the last time i checked and do bear in mind i've only been paying into it for four years so mm. as a percentage of the overall value of a of a pot that's a pretty bad hit um and as exactly what you just said i think the most sensible thing you can do is be aware of what's going on but don't freak out there's i don't think there's any point in in looking at your pension every day um so the good news is volatile pension investments are not the end of the world for most people so i'm 27 the odds are i'm going to be working until i'm something like 110 so i have got plenty of time to make up for losses as have an awful lot of people um the people this is going to affect the most are those who are at or near retirement like my parents for instance who really aren't going to be working for much longer and so as a result of coronavirus they're likely to have taken a real hit on the money that's there that's going to support their retirement in the db world so that's defined benefit for any listeners who maybe aren't sure that's a little bit different so a db pension is paid by an employer and it's based on the number of years a person has worked for that employer and their salary 
they're generally considered better than a DC scheme because in some cases this can be this really generous income for life. However, the risk that they carry is that something happens to that employer that means they can no longer pay out that pension. And that's where coronavirus comes in. Yeah, of course. So if a firm that pays a DB scheme, uh, it say, say that firm fails, the Pension Protection Fund pays compensation to members of that DB scheme. And it's more than reasonable, I think, to assume over the next couple of years that there's going to be this trickling effect of various businesses with DB schemes that enter insolvency, at least in part because of pressures to do with coronavirus. Um, and as a result of all this, I suppose we might see an uptick in people wanting to transfer out of their DB scheme because they're worried about their firm going bust, think airlines, things like that, for example. Yeah. Or more simply, we might see some individuals receiving a less generous pension if the pension protection funds ends up funding their retirement. Um, and away from all that, we've seen an increase in scams and pension scams are a part of that. Um, older people tend to be particularly vulnerable and especially over lockdown when it became the norm to communicate via telephone or via email, people were probably a little less guarded about pension cold calls or unsolicited emails from supposed pension companies. Um, all that sounds very, very doom and gloom, but for most people, to be fair, I think their pension is actually a smaller concern right now in the grand scheme of everything going on. But for some, this virus will have made really a, quite a big impact on their retirement savings. Yeah, I think it's it's... You only said, I think there's all sort of like the kind of things that we don't necessarily think about, you know, when we're just generally, if it, if it doesn't apply to us, if we don't have employers who are maybe doing that kind of defined benefit pension, you don't necessarily think of all the connotations, you know, it's not just potentially businesses getting shut down, maybe going, you know, obviously being made redundant. And from our side of things, the protection world and um, unemployment insurance isn't available anymore, that it stopped at the beginning of the year to new people wanting it. And there's just so many different aspects of it that it kind of fills us into, you know, you maybe just not just facing maybe redundancy, but all, you know, obviously the employee benefits changing, but potentially also your actual pension just potentially in a sense going, and um, which is it's obviously quite scary, I imagine, for, for, for a lot of people. Yeah. So we started chatting um, around the time of the um, Professional Advisor Women in Finance Awards. And um, I really enjoyed it last year. I was there and I was um, very, very happy to be um presented an award and I got to stand up there with Zoe Lyons who you know she was incredibly funny that night it was wonderful and just wondering you know we see many many women standing out as key players in the finance world now and I think it's one of those things as well that even more so I mean I, I joined our industry um in 2010 to 10 years ago and then you know, obviously there's quite a lot of women that I, I I could see in different things but now it just feels like there's women everywhere that I see which is absolutely fantastic um, but there is always this constant thing of saying you know, that we need to generate greater awareness um, for women about the need to look out for their financial futures. And, you know, from, from my side of things, obviously, yes, the life insurance, but very, very key is the need for like, income protection for women um, and women not necessarily realizing just how important that can be for them. And um, do, do you find sort of like in the, sorry, the pension space, is there still that kind of big drive to try and sort of like get more and more women to, to sort of like engage with these things? Yes. I, I definitely think there is, and there's also there's a medley of reasons why women have smaller pensions than men, and it's partly because of a gender pay gap. It's partly because they take time off to give birth and you know raise children, and they are generally as well the carers if something you know happens yeah. to a parent and you need somebody to deal with that. So there's definitely 
still a focus on women really needing to pay attention to their finances. And I think there's a lot of biases as well that are there that somehow the man still handles the finances. And I think in in the world of advice, there has been mistakes made by some advisors, not not all, not nowhere near all, I should say. Um, but sort of say 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 a, a man and a woman who are married a married couple go in to see an advisor the advisor will sometimes just speak to the man and it leaves the woman feeling very alienated um so yes there is a big push i think to get women spending more time paying attention to their finances and getting their finances in order as well i think um as well looking at it from like the protection side of things as I say i don't do pensions investments anything of that sort but being in the finance world i know that pensions are incredibly important and obviously i make sure that mine is sorted and um i've even set up pensions for my children um, my youngest was one when he got his pension set up for him um what would you say to you know you just mentioned there a little bit about the reasons that sometimes people haven't been able to put into the pensions as much but you know for for women or it, i say women it can be anybody any stay-at-home parent or maybe somebody who is working flexible or reduced hours who is maybe not monitoring the pensions so much what would you want to sort of like say to them well first things first well done to you that's absolutely brilliant <laughs> that is a that's a really really great thing to do and of course the earlier you start a pension the more that money has time to compound and grow and ultimately when he reaches a time where he can access that money it's going to be a lot healthier than you know had you not started that so well done that's a fantastic thing to do um so i think that's a hard question to answer because everyone's circumstances are so different um i think paying into a pension is probably the best investment you can make so of course i would say pay more attention to it um, and you can set up pension pots without too much hassle even via apps like Moneybox so it's really really easy to do and to regularly pay into and your future self will obviously thank you for it though needless to say shop around there are different pensions that carry different investments different charges um, so it's, it's well worth doing your homework uh, if that person is a part of their employer's pension scheme assuming that is the case pay more money into it if they can yeah. and for parents taking some time off to raise children um, they can actually claim child benefit and it's really really important they can do that or state pension credits will be lost uh, I have to say this isn't even close to my area of expertise but for anyone listening who is taking some time off after having a child I would urge them just google child benefit pensions or something similar to that and get that yeah. benefit sorted uh, because not doing so could lead to losing out on state pension credits, which is obviously particularly important for a non-working parent. And I should say yeah. as well, regardless of income, this child benefit can be claimed. So actually wealthier individuals here stand at risk of missing out on this because they think that you know they don't qualify for it. So they okay. do. So it's really, really important and it's worth everybody looking into this. Absolutely. So would you say that's kind of your three key things in a sense to, to take away? If you could summarize the top three. Okay, if, I ha so if, if I'm summarizing the top three things to pay attention to. So first and foremost, 
just pay into your pension. And honestly, I've warned so many friends against stopping paying into their pension because they want the additional money for something else every month. Fortunately, they have mostly listened to me. But it's really just the, like I said, it's the best investment for your future you can make. So do not opt out of paying into your employer's pension. And if you're self-employed, set yourself up with a pension and set aside a certain percentage of your income per month to pay in, or even a certain amount, depending on how your business is set up. Secondly, and on a not too dissimilar note, pay in as much as you can. So a lot of employers will work on the minimum automatic enrollment contribution rate, which is currently 8%. So legally, an employer must pay 3%. So assuming you haven't opted out, you'll be paying a minimum 5%. Um, Some employers have incentive schemes that mean if you pay more, they'll pay more and others don't. But regardless of what they're willing to pay, there is just no harm in voluntarily paying more into your pension every month if you can afford to do it. And if you're not sure how to do that, go and talk to a company's HR department and they should give you the details on how and who to get in touch with whoever. And thirdly, and to be honest, this this actually might be the most important point. Watch out for scams. So when it comes to financial scams, generally, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Um, pension scammers use all sorts of tempting language to get people to part with their money and that can devastate people's life savings and it's nearly impossible to get that money back so often scammers try to persuade pension savers to transfer their savings or release funds from their pension by making these really lovely sounding promises that they just have absolutely no intention of keeping So it might be a scammer claims that there's some brilliant investment in something that sounds really clever and legitimate, like a renewable energy bond, for example, that's promising this 20% return on investment. And given that right now achieving a 3% interest rate with a bank would be considered pretty phenomenal, please believe me when I say nothing out there promising anything even close to those kind of returns or above is legitimate. So to be clear, you should never, ever, ever receive a cold call, email or text about your pension. It's illegal. It's probably the sign of a scam. And if you start hearing terms like free pension review or pension liberation, just hang up the phone, ignore the email, do not get suckered into losing your life savings. And if you find yourself unsure, if something looks brilliant and despite everything I have just said, you think you found the exception to the rule and you believe it's not a scam, Just do me a favor, do everyone a favor and contact your pension provider before you do anything with your money or contact pension wise. Tell them who's been in touch and what that investment is. And remember, high pressure sales tactics like you've got to send your money in the next week. Otherwise, you're going to lose out on this brilliant investment is a classic sign of a scam. So please, please do not fall victim to that. Absolutely. One of the things that we did sort of towards the beginning of um, lockdown is there started to be quite a lot of um, scam activity within the protection space. And we sort of did a, a contact out to, to all of our clients just to say to them, look, these are the things to, to watch out for. And it was like, there's the kind of like, I think it, it applies to anybody as well. It was that kind of thing. If, if, if someone's ringing you and saying, oh, can you just confirm your policy number for me and how much you're paying and who it's with? If it's from the person who's advised you, if it's from your, prevention, you know, your pension provider or for us for the, for the life insurer or from the, us as a broker, we already have that information. So we don't need you to confirm it to us. And, and I think stuff like that can just be, it, it's very easy, I think, potentially to fall and for it and get duped in because of the way that, the, the way that sometimes they can term it. And I know that in the protection space, we even had it with some people where 
people were finding out from clients that their their clients are being contacted because somebody was ringing them up and saying, do you know your life insurance doesn't cover you if you die from coronavirus? And we found that, you know, just, it just absolutely flabbergasted us. It was just like in, in the middle of everything and all the fear that everybody's experiencing right now, how on earth can you actually live with yourself, you know, calling up somebody and saying stuff like that? It was just... It baffles me. Um, They're dreadful. They are absolutely dreadful scammers. They are terrible people. They are awful individuals. I wish they could be thrown in prison and the key been thrown away. People people lose. I mean, imagine you, you've saved up your retirement your whole life and you're talking here. I think I think I read that the average loss is something like £82,000 from pensions, which is a, a huge amount of money. Massive. And you're going from, yeah, you could be going from a really reasonable looking retirement to nearly desolate like it's it's absolutely dreadful and these people are vile like, there is a lot being done the fca has started yeah. this well they've had their their smart campaign for a while now but they pointed out actually a lot of victims it's not just the elderly everybody thinks it's the elderly and, and they are particularly vulnerable but they found recently that it was actually i think it was men in their 50s that had been the worst affected by scams and in that circumstance i think it's the exact point you just made that anybody can fall for this stuff but also yeah. that men i think in that demographic are quite embarrassed about becoming a victim and falling for it so they're not going and even talking to people about it and trying to rectify the mistake and get the money back and it's dreadful it really is dreadful yes. um, thank you obviously for giving those tips so i think that's that's really really useful and so important for everybody that's listening um so usually we'd have a truth or lie thing at the end of the um, episodes but um today with it being the women in finance awards which will be tonight because it's going out on the 8th and um, what i thought would be really good is for you to share who your kind of ultimate female icon is and uh, just sort of like share your thoughts on that okay well she has probably been on my mind recently because unfortunately she died very recently but I'd have to say uh, probably Ruth Bader Ginsburg because this tiny woman it was just a titan in the world of women's rights she was a second female justice to sit on the US Supreme Court uh, and she was one of a very small number of women at the time who studied at Harvard Law. And she totally went against all these unconscious biases that we have about, you know, careers for men, careers for women, etc. And she was academically brilliant. She was kind and she worked tirelessly for gender equality. And I think what makes her such a wonderful female icon is that she opened the door as well to so many other women. You know, she helped to pull women up. Uh, she's also got the coolest nickname in the world, the Notorious RBG. If that isn't <laughs> icon worthy, I don't know what is. Even her glasses are iconic. Yeah. Um, she she just absolutely embodies all that an icon should. And I am just so sorry that the world lost her at such a, a politically pivotal point. Absolutely. No, she was absolutely a force to be reckoned with. And I, I saw that there was um, a lot of the things that she achieved as well. So it was at the Harvard Law School, at the same time as she was raising her daughter and looking after her husband who had cancer at the time and um just yeah incredible what she what she was able to achieve and uh, as you say what she's been able to pave the way for for so many so many other women absolutely thank you for listening everybody and thank you so much hannah for joining me so this has been one of our in between the episodes in the podcast i'm gonna be back very soon um probably a little bit quicker than usual and um, with an episode that i've recorded with my dad um as some people know who are listening my dad has parkinson's disease and um very very shortly he will be going for some deep brain uh, surgery to try and help him 
the condition. So we've done a podcast in a sense beforehand, so he can say what it's like, what he feels like, and then fingers crossed he'll be back in the not too distant future and we'll be chatting about what it feels like after having an operation like that. If you'd like a reminder of the next episode, please drop me a message on social media or visit the website www.practical-protection.co.uk and don't forget that if you've listened to part of this as part of your work, you can get a CPD certificate from the website too. Thank you so much for joining me, Helena, and uh, good luck to everybody at the awards tonight. Thank you.